Brother Justin's sermon text is Romans 8, 1 through 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walked after, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But for the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. When you're a sinner, you go down. It is like a broken elevator. All it will do is fall down until you die. But when you are a believer, God's throw you a rope to climb up to safety. But until you're a believer, there is no rope to climb up. Yeah. Some people are not believers. They don't even want a rope to climb up. Some people are not believers. Oh. They don't believe that they don't believe the elevator is going down. But we believe in God and because we believe in him and are climbing up we are not condem condemned Amen. we don't have to do the wrong thing if anymore if we don't want to Amen. dear heavenly father I pray that other Justin's sermon text would be be good and we would all learn about about Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. to every time I prepare a message talking to Brother Maddox about this stuff. It's blessed my soul Amen. to be able to sit and, and talk and talk about the Lord with my children. It's just a blessing. Amen. Good evening, everyone. We greet those of you who have joined us in live stream too, of which we are eternally grateful to God for, the brothers and sisters in the faith. You know, not all men have faith <clears throat> that we've made, been made accepted into the Beloved. Amen. Every time I get up here now for the foreseeable future, and as long as the Lord wills it to be so, is to present you with a facet of Jesus Christ. And let's face it, I'm sure as long as we remain here, God is quite willing for us to speak about His Son. Yeah. The Hebrews writer tells us that God has spoken in these last times through His Son. The apostles, the apostles preached Christ, and I endeavor to preach Him as well. Christ is multifaceted. He's like the face of a diamond. Each facet of His character or person is a flawless representation of God. There is no one else like Jesus Christ. Who has humbled Himself so low? and yet now is so highly exalted above all principality and dominion and power. Who can that be said of anybody? Who else has made the things that were made 
let alone offer themselves up as a sacrifice for that creation. And whom else can we perceive such great love and at the same time such great wrath and indignation? Who else has known both the mind of God and can be touched with the frailty and infirmities of man? Who, are, who, who is man that thou art mindful of him? Who else can be the strong man and the scapegoat? Who else? Who else can be a high priest, a shepherd, a servant, a master, a way, a door, a mediator, and an intercessor, and a king simultaneously and perfect representation in every area of that? Christ is so magnificent and so full of glory that there is no way to consider him in his entirety with the measure that we possess. We must select, speaking as a man, we must select a very narrow portion of his character. And when we do that, we see that it opens up to large vistas of truth. Amen. Just, the, just the smallest aspect of Christ, speaking as a man, that you look into, you'll be able to perceive things that, that are exhilarating, Amen. breathtaking. And they ought to be, right? Christ is the bread of life, right? What is a man's life apart from Christ if Christ is the life? Amen. Right? And if so, then how can anybody consider Christ and not experience life from doing so? He is the life. So today I want to talk about something that Jesus has done for each and every one of us here. He has not only put away our sin by the sacrifice of Himself, but He has delivered us from the law of sin and death. He has provided a way for us to experientially and and uh, effectively perform the will of God in, and, and, and in the face of opposition, even internal opposition. And He's given us a confirmation that we are no longer condemned. But first, what is the law of sin and death? I'm going to talk about that. Let's take a look at that word law. Now, most of the time when people hear the word law, they'll think that it's some sort of governing policy or rule of law, such as don't break the law or you'll go to jail. But there are other, also other meanings of the word as well, such as the law of gravity. It's a rule or a principle based off of unseen forces or the way the universe and the things in it operate. It's, it's the kind of thing that, uh, that we mean when we say the law of sin and death. There's an unseen inclination. Yeah. There's, a, there's a force. There's a gravity. There's a drive that, that, it, that it, it, it makes a person inclined. It actually moves a person away from God. Yeah. The law of sin and death yeah. written in everybody's body born in Adam. It causes them to think and act in a way contrary to God. Yeah. It's the reason why the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God and explains why all men have gone astray. Its rule promotes selfishness Iniquity, covetousness, greed, and pride, and all manner of ungodly behavior. All men outside of Christ, tarnished by sin, are actually enslaved by this law that's written in their members. And the end of it is death. 
even eternal death. Eternal separate, a force that causes a person to be eternally separated from God. But where did this law come from? And who wrote it on our members? Well, it's an inherited law, actually. It's something that's been written on the members of every man that belongs to the human race because of the sin of one man. The scripture records it as, By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. From the womb, made sinners. And for as in Adam, all die. A person in their natural state, without divine intervention, is enslaved to this law. It's all that they know. It's like gravity pulling down an object to the earth. This inward law of sin and death will govern what a person does and how they think. It will govern their reaction to situations, how they discern right and wrong, good and evil, what they love, what they follow after. Sin has written a rule in the bodies of men that causes them to serve sin with their body. There is no other decision or way out of sin for unbelieving men. The law written in their members drives them away from God. And their heart is willing to follow that way too. This is why all men have gone astray. But Jesus has delivered us by His Spirit but from this law of sin and death. And, and God promised this from long ago. Listen to what he, he wrote in the prophets here. Jeremiah 31, 35. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. And I will write it in their hearts. And will be their God. And they shall be my people. Now that's good news. That's good news to those who know they've got a law written in their members that God promised, I'll write my law in your heart. And he said this too. Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart will I also... He's not done giving giving things. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, the heart that preferred the law of sin and death. I'll take that out and I'll give you a new heart of flesh, a responsive heart, a tender heart. And I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk. That's a different kind of gravity there. huh? That's a different kind of desire there. I will cause you to walk. I want God to cause me to walk in His statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments. Now, God can't lie, okay? This is what He said would happen. Ye shall keep my judgments and do them. God has fulfilled this word in Christ. I'd like to announce that God has fulfilled this word in Christ. All who are born again of the Spirit have been given a new spirit. One that directs a person towards God. We've been given a new heart. One that is tender and responsive towards God. That once was calloused and cold and dead and hard. God did something unique in each and every one of us who believed. He wrote a new law in our inward parts. And He wrote it in our new hearts. Now there are two laws written. One is God's law written on your heart and on your mind. Hebrews 
The other is the law of sin and death, still written in your members. Now this introduces a complicating factor. And it's intentional. It's 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 an intentional complicating factor. You've got two natures now. You've got you have a treasure in earthen vessels. Your essential person, the person that is actually you, is now in a body that doesn't match it anymore. The law of your body does not match the law of your mind. And as you walk through life, as you walk through this life and by faith in the Spirit, you will encounter thoughts that disturb you. And and when you when you first come into the kingdom, this might not be as noticeable. But as you grow in the faith, you'll notice more and more that these thoughts disturb you. They're, they become, as you grow, they become less temptations and they become more distractions. And they become, they become, a, they become, they chafe against your soul. You hate them. You despise them. You wish you wouldn't have thought that. Temptations that trouble you and imaginations that exalt themselves against the truth. You'll be driving down the road and a thought will pop into your... You'll be in a prayer meeting and a thought will pop into your... How did I ever think of that? The law of sin and death that's still written in your members. Your flesh will cry out against your spirit. And worst of all, okay, Satan will attempt to use this inner conflict to accuse you of wrongdoing and to overthrow your faith. You might even think, am I really saved? How could I possibly have thought of that if I'm really saved? This is the reason why. But this is not the only part of you now that, that seeks to express itself. God forbid we put all of the attention now on the inner thoughts that are troublesome. You also have other thoughts too now, don't you? We have desires to know God. We have desires to do good. We have desires to help others. We have desires to love the brethren. I have desires that I never had before. Where did those come from? I will write my laws on their hearts. I will give them a new heart. Doesn't it sound good? When the, does the truth? Did the truth always sound good? <laughs> There's holy lusts. There are. There's holy lusts, desire, fervent desires to please God. That ha- I must be about my Father's business. Holy lusts. Jesus lived it out for us. And this dichotomy, this spiritual dichotomy, it will exist in our bodies as long as we're here on this earth. It doesn't matter how close you get to the Lord on this earth. As long as you remain in a body with the law of sin and death written on your members, this is what we have got, we've got to deal with. Now the Apostle Paul was a special person, right? I've heard people say that we're all the same in the eyes of God, but that's definitely not true. John was called Beloved, right? He was the only disciple that was called Beloved. The Apostle Paul was chosen by God to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. He revealed things to Paul that he didn't just reveal to anybody else. Paul was a noble vessel for the Lord. Even when Paul didn't know God, did you know his outward life was blameless? That's what it says. Here's what's written. 
If any other man thinketh that he have whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. In other words, if you think you've achieved a status in the flesh that commends you before God, Paul had better reason to trust in his fleshly status than you do. But it wasn't enough for him to do that, and it wasn't right for him to do that. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel. That's God's chosen people. Of the tribe of Benjamin. That's chosen tribe. Of the he uh, Hebrew of the Hebrews. Okay? As touching the law. A Pharisee. Concerning zeal. Okay? Persecuting the church. He, uh, in other words, he wanted to please God so much that he would kill to please God. That's how much he wanted to please God. Touching the righteousness which is in the law. Blameless. Nobody could come up to Paul before he was converted and saying, hey, should you be doing this or that? No, he's blameless. And yet this person, after he had come to know the Lord, after he was called to be an apostle, who had a fervent desire for God and a daily care for all the churches, still found that he had a law written in his body that expressed itself against his will. And it tormented him. And he said, For the good that I for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not didn't want to do it, that I do. He's talking about thoughts. Thoughts that arise in the mind, contrary thoughts that chafed against his soul. The law of sin and death remains present in our members even though we are no longer under condemnation. Jesus did not remove this law from our members, but yet one day He will. He will. <laughs> one day you will have a body in which the law of sin and death is not written in. What a glorious day that will be. Amen. But He set us free from it nonetheless. We no longer have to obey it. We no longer have to live according to the sinful lusts. We can instead, as born-again believers, live according to the law of the Spirit. It's a higher law. It allows us to put to death the deeds of the body. It allows us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and resist the devil and every temptation. God has given us divine weaponry to cast down imaginations and to tear down strongholds. And not in just in ourselves, but in others. See, technically, nobody has to sin ever again. And this law of the Spirit, it, it gives you a purpose. What Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. Right? And there's a satisfaction that comes from following after the law of the Spirit. The law of sin and death gets a person to follow after their sinful lusts and promises satisfaction. But the law of the Spirit does the same thing. But, in, but it actually does provide satisfaction. There's a satisfaction that comes from obeying the Lord. Amen. And there is no condemnation. I'm going to read this. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation 
to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, no rule of man could set us free from it. And that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Amen that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you see the dichotomy there? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. You, are, you, are you saying that one of these things is greater than the other? Amen. The Spirit is greater. The law of the Spirit is greater than the law of sin and death written in your members. For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. And if children, then heirs. huh? Amen. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him. Yeah. What's the suffering? We've got this law of sin and death that's written in our members. We've got to endure opposition yeah. while we're in this body. But we've been set free to endure opposition successfully. Amen. <laughs> For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. No condemnation. Even though this law is present and actively presenting itself in your mind's eye on a daily basis, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the truth. I'm going to declare it to you. Are you baptized in the Christ death? No condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ. Regardless of what Satan wants you to believe, are you crucifying the old man? Is he on the cross right now? No condemnation. Not condemned. Have you reckoned yourself dead to sin and alive unto God? No condemnation. Have you said, I'm not going to respond to the law of sin and death in my members anymore. I'm going to respond to God. No condemnation. Can you agree with the Apostle Paul that your body is a vile body? No condemnation. Can you feel your own wretchedness? It's evidence that you're not condemned. Can you agree that the law of God is good? 
and that there's a part of you that struggles against it, but yet you have an aversion for ungodliness and a desire for righteousness, not condemned. Do you find that you only want to fulfill your heart's desire towards God, but you're often met with temptation, opposition, and contrary thoughts, not condemned? Does your mind serve the law of God? Are you walking in the Spirit? Not condemned. That's good news. And it's something that it's something that we need to know. You see, this is the truth. Nobody can hate iniquity that has not been delivered from it. Do you hate iniquity? Not condemned. Any unlawful desires that reside in your members are not attributed to you. Paul would say, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. We have been set free from the tyranny of a condemning law. We have received the atonement. We are justified by His blood. Jesus declared the very same thing when He said, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. In another place, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come in the condemnation. And I would like to thank the Holy Spirit for tying that in with Brother Gene's Bible class this morning there. Hath everlasting life and shall not come in the condemnation. No one should be without this knowledge. How can you have confidence to live before God if you feel condemned by thoughts that arise in your mind? How can you really deny ungodliness if you feel like you are powerless to resist the law of sin and death? You are free. You are free to say no. You are free to say yes. But also realize that if we sin, if for some reason we are short-sighted and God forbid fail to walk in the Spirit. We have an advocate. God has made a way to recover and a way to strengthen you. If we confess our sins, He's faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The prodigal son was once in the house of the father, but he went away from him and he squandered his inheritance on riotous living. And it did not take long before he knew that he had done wrong. And when he came to himself, he said, I will go to my father, expecting to be a servant and a slave and not a son. But the father was waiting. And he saw him afar off. And he ran to meet him. And if you come to him, he'll run to meet you. And he'll put the best robe on you. It'll put a ring on your finger. And it'll give you a feast of fat things once more. He says to those who rest in His Son, not condemned, despite what we were, despite what we've done. Our price has been paid. It's been paid in full. It's been paid in blood. It's been paid by His Son, the Lamb of God, offered up for the sin of the world. And now that we have returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Do not think that He will let you go easily, nor not provide a way of escape when you need it. He has truly set us free from the law of sin and death. The sinful nature 
At birth we inherit, boasts itself of self-worth and merit. So proud and sinful lust adventures, this law that's written in our members. It's been here since the first transgression, and it can't be tamed by rule or lesson. Its gravity leads men astray. It's filled with wills and thoughts and ways. So contrary to our great maker, corrupted image and corrupted labor. It tells you always to serve sin. It tells you time and time again. It tells you lie and steal and hide. It says thou shalt not surely die. Then God above worked something new. And in his son, he worked it through. He put a seed in his children dear, born from above and not from here. And now exists dichotomy of something we weren't used to be. A part of us that cannot sin, still in the members sins written in. An unseen war of what's expressed. The spirit lusts and then the flesh. But despite the thoughts that rise within, that try and drag us into sin, the precious spirit now gives us rest from the restless law of sin and death that once enslaved us in station, but cannot count for condemnation. For it's really not us, but flesh of men. And if if we believe, we're not condemned. And one day soon, we'll all be clothed in a new body and in a new abode where there is no law that wars against thee. So expect soon your freedom to be fully free. Amen.